Welcome to The Label Podcast, a show about disability, illness and difference. I'm Lucy. And I'm Alice. And that's Lola. Don't forget, in this episode, I might swear, Lucy might cry, and you can check out details of the trigger warnings on our website. Hi guys, we just wanted to let you know that in this episode, you'll hear descriptions of medical procedures. If this is something that's triggering for you, you might want to be mindful as you listen to this episode. Hello everyone, welcome to the Label Podcast. That weird noise you might have just heard was my tummy rumbling um i'm alice <laughs> i'm here with my co-host lucy oh yeah hi hi how are you i'm all right thanks how are you hungry apparently yeah my um, was rumbling all day yesterday and i don't know why um i'm on a diet and so therefore i'm probably in much vegetables and it's going what is this can i have a biscuit please um i'm not sure but you know uh, other than that i'm fine i am eating like a horse and because my uh sciatic has been quite bad the last couple of months i haven't been doing almost any exercises mm -hmm. so i'm now st getting to the point where i'm like well my pajamas fit but i can't go outside <laughs> that's, that's, that's like that lockdown mentality that is isn't it I can't, i'm just wearing my pajamas it's fine everything oh you fits. see i i was really fit during lockdown because i was still working i was going out a lot and then on because i couldn't do anything else all i did that summer was yoga in the garden and make, so i was and, really fit i looked excuse incredible me. excuse me and also i created a podcast thank you very much yeah, we did, but that we didn't start doing that until later no, in the year. No, to be I'm fair, I was, I was very, I, I was very, quite thin, slimmer, hmm. not thin, never been thin, um, slimmer, um, uh, until sort of hot the 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 second half of the first lockdown, and then I just thought, sod it. Basically, Alice, I met you and thought, sod it, let's have a biscuit every day. <laughs> uh, I have, I have that. Um impact on people yeah, yeah definitely cause people to stress eat <laughs> so for me during lockdown i actually put on loads of weight and my cholesterol went up wow and all of this stuff because uh, i live by the sea and as a blind person <laughs> yeah everyone was flocking to the coast <laughs> that lived nearby to do their daily exercise yeah. you know we weren't supposed to drive to our daily no. exercise People were doing that anyway. Yeah. And I would try and go out for a walk and then just get absolutely like smashed into by people. Oh, no. I, like a runner ran into me and all sorts of things. And I'm like, we're supposed to be keeping two meters away from each other. <laughs> and you just ran into me. Like I I've got a massive white cane. Can it be any more obvious? Yeah. And so I ended up going out and buying like loads of t-shirts that say things like, this is what blind looks like yeah. and you're in my blind spot <laughs> and like getting fluorescent clothing and all sorts of nice. things nice. and it still happened so i just stopped did. going outside i i i'm sure i've told the story on this podcast about the person who was um 
who was so so not paying attention they were on their bike and they were on their phone that they literally went into the side of my guide dog jeez because they were just not paying attention and i was like i can see that dog and also how can you not see that why why is he on a bike on his phone that's some multitasking Oh, I, it's, I, it was the teenage scroats around where uh, I used to live. Uh, I used to frequently see like 15, 16 year old lads on their bikes with a joint on. And I'd just be like, like you're exercising and also damaging your <laughs> yeah. lungs. At your- the same time. <laughs> That's like going to the gym and eating a pack of biscuits at the same time, isn't it? Yeah, just on on the cross trainer, and every time you move your hand forward, yeah. you move for a hog dog. Sounds like my kind as of a, exercise. As a fellow like blindie, how many times have you been hit by a bike? Oh, definitely on more than one occasion. Um, so I am running at three. Wow! And once, like on a beeping pedestrian pelican crossing really wow um and the guy had gone through three red lights to then go through the pelican crossing oh my god red light oh my god and um at the time my guide dog was off injured and i just thanked the lord for that because if my guide dog hadn't been off injured in hospital block at lemington um instead of my leg being the first impact it, it would have been my guide dog's head yeah and just I didn't bear thinking about I, the the ignorance is incredible my poor my dog dora she was um sort of trained during lockdown she's one of the few dogs that actually kind of got through um well the done. training well done yeah. dora yeah she but she's super sensitive she's very cautious and she's just a bit jumpy mm. uh and like me really <laughs> Oh, she's nowhere near as loud as you. <laughs> she, um, she, about six weeks, two months ago, um, somebody on a mobility scooter came. Instead of sort of like saying, hey, excuse me, can I get past? On the pavement, they came up behind us, went down into the road alongside Dora and then came up right in front of us. Um, and honestly, like, if I... If she hadn't stopped dead, that that scooter would have like clipped right across the front of her face. My and she is now terrified of mobility scooters. Of course she is. Oh, Understandably. Exactly. I mean, and like, to be fair, I'm terrified of them. I raced I one just... out of B&M bargains the other day because he was in my way. I was like, move. <laughs> I just, I just can't. I, I just, I do not understand. No. Like, the, it's incredible, the ignorance. Yeah. And you know what I don't get, right? So... As you know, I've got like all the disabilities. So I am all of the colours of the disability pride flag, just in case you're wondering. I only realised this the other day and I was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's like collecting cards, isn't it? Like bingo, isn't it? I've got all of them. (laughs) We're fine. It's disability bingo. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, and it was like, yeah. And so um, when I first started using a powered wheelchair part time, yeah. I had to do like so many assessments. I had to do an assessment with the mobility people. I had to do an assessment with the wheelchair dealers. Mm-hmm. I had to do another assessment with the wheelchair dealers. I had to do assessments and training with guide dogs and everything. But the thing is, if I didn't have a visual impairment, like I wouldn't do any of that. My my <laughs> my like 
check that you're safe would only be my test drive. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's it. And I that's was just the like. Thing. I was talking to my mum about this the other day. So we, I went to school, I went to a special school. Um, and when they gave kids, like new kids who had never had an electric wheelchair before, um, they put them in the electric wheelchair and then sent them out on the playground when there was nobody else about and just said like, can you go around in a circle? Can you tell, Can you stop when I tell you to stop? Can you like, you know, mm. all this and that and the other. That lasted about an hour and a half. And if they managed to do it in the playground, they were absolutely fine. But I can remember following a lad into French one day um, and he got an electric, he, he always has an electric wheelchair turned down to the snail side because he couldn't go any faster than this because he was unsafe. First of all, that's a red flag, isn't it? Um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And so I'm behind him and as he's like going very, very, if you got stuck behind him, that was it. You were late to your lesson. Um, because there was no getting round him either. Because if you got, went round him, it spooked him and he was like, oh, I don't, don't know what I'm doing. Um, and I, I watched him go up the side of a bookcase in the library, like up, run, run, run the chair up. And I'm like, this is, this, what, how on earth were you given an electric wheelchair? What is, he also ran into the fish tank. Yeah, where's, where's his, uh, his driving license? Yes, he ran yeah. into the fish tank, smashed the fish tank. The fish were flopping about over the floor. Oh, and then no. somebody, came, somebody came with a wet bag and just hoovered them all up. <laughs> oh, that's awful! Yeah, you know, that's really to... traumatic for children. Just tell me about it. It's like a fish flapping everywhere. But yeah, so... they're like, oh, they're disabled. Circle of life. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They gotta uh, learn. But like the most terrifying bit of my training was that, um, like, on one of the sessions, they got me to practice doing like emergency stops in the chair, yeah. and they were like, "So we want you to go as fast as you can," and I was like really and they were like yes and then basically they jumped out at me from behind bushes and things like that and i was like for fuck's sake i wouldn't do that they do the emergency like, stop training with the guide dogs as well except they always do it with a um like a guide dogs like van as right. well and so the dogs the yes. dogs are always like oh yeah fucking seen that coming i've seen this yeah. 15 times and it they... always does those yeah yeah, it's like, you know what? Pick someone in a the red corsa they've never seen before, and they'll actually do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know what? Well, the first time I did traffic training, I was terrified because I've never had a guide dog before, yeah. and it is the weirdest thing. Like, it is the most unnatural thing. Yeah, so it really is. Don't know if you know this, Lucy, but what it is is you stand in the middle of the road while a car drives at you. What weird? Just, just you just stand there <laughs> with your guide you're, dog. Yeah, oh, you're sort of. So you you start to cross the road, yeah, and then a car drives towards you, and your dog is supposed to go, "Oh shit, there's a car there," and just stop. Oh my god! And you're still getting, to know, <laughs> yeah. you're still getting to know this dog, I suppose, aren't you? Like trusting yeah. the dog. You've maybe oh, had yes. the dog like two days. I'm going to stand here, and I want you to save me. This yeah. this is the thing I always say to people, like about when they always talk to me about how clever guide dogs are I'm like no no no, no. they are just, just very, very well, well trained. trained yeah, yeah like, you always we say had that. a we had a labrador before i got lola we had a pet labrador mm. and i i always i could not help but compare the two of them because he was a very very sweet dog but he did not understand the difference between a door that was shut and a door that was pushed to so he would just walk into a door on the off chance that it would open 
<laughs> and I was like, I, I am supposed to trust this dog. I'm supposed to trust a dog yeah. like this with my life. Like, a dog like this has got to get me yeah. over the road. What uh, are you doing? <laughs> yeah, and you know what? My first guide dog, so I've had two, right? And my first one, I it was the clumsiest oaf of a dog <laughs> that I have ever met. And, like, we would be walking along and he'd be, like, get distracted by something. <laughs> and then he'd like turn around and he'd like walk into something <laughs> and like one time i had an aftercare like where they come up and check that yeah. the dog's all right and everything's all good yeah. and i had to say to them i was like so he's got a little bit of swelling on his head uh <laughs> it's it's where he bashed it on yeah i've not been ba- on a i've post. not been bashing the dog the dog has yeah. like, just walking into stuff and, I, and he was like, like he'd do really silly things like he'd try to turn around in a doorway and just smack his head <laughs> on the door frame and it's just like your spatial awareness is terrible how did you make it but he was a fantastic guide dog yeah my first guide dog lola walked into a table once because we were leaving my mum's house and she went bye lola and she turned around to be like oh bye granny <laughs> Turned back, smack into a table. Like. Yeah. Sorry, Mom, I didn't realize yeah. you'd moved. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and uh, talking, but talking about aftercare, like I was saying, this I had guide dogs come out for my aftercare visit like a week ago, ten days ago, and um, and uh, I was telling them there it, was, it started to rain while I was out with Dora, and um, she does. I don't know if your dogs have did this. She does the thing where she's like, "Oh no, there's a puddle. I couldn't possibly get my feet wet," and so like tries to walk you walk herself around the puddle and walk you straight through the puddle. Well, and, yeah, uh, so my first guide dog did that, but my second guide dog was more exciting. Uh, she saw a puddle and she would like jump over it. Wow. <laughs> and the first time she did that. I I nearly needed new pants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, the the story that I told my assessor was like, oh, you think that's bad? Lola literally once walked me around a puddle, like walked herself around a puddle with me on the roadside, so that I walked into a lamppost. She was <laughs> like, oh, but this, but mum, my feet are dry, so it's fine. Gemma, I've yeah. just realised. I say, we haven't even. We've not, we've not actually like said who you are or anything, and we're thirteen minutes in. Oops. Uh, it's all right. Fine. It's fine. I feel like this is the classicest of classic yeah. labels. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. Our guest today, everybody, <laughs> is Gemma Brown. Gemma, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Gemma. So I am TikTok famous. Uh, as discussed earlier, I'm all the colours of the disability pride flag. So uh, I'm blind, autistic, I have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and POTS and all of that kind of stuff. And I also live with PTSD. So, yeah, I am all of the colours of the disability pride flag and I'm very proud of that. Um, and uh, I'm an influencer, so I make TikTok videos. But I'm also very heavily involved in local politics and I have a role on the steering committee of the Women's Equality Party. And I am also um, the co-leader of the Women's Equality Party Disability Caucus. So, um, wow. yeah. You've got a lot so on Gemma, there. I was gonna say, Gemma's doing all the things. Yeah. I'm still wearing my pyjama buttons. Yeah, I don't. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I just that, say, Gemma, as well, I don't understand TikTok. So you're already no. one step ahead of both of us. Really. I was going to say, she's about 15 steps ahead of both of us. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't even have a TikTok. No. I'm just like, this looks 
scary and confusing and makes me feel old. <laughs> it helps that I'm a nerd. <laughs> yeah, I just don't understand it. And I'm not very good at dancing either. I feel like that's like the bare minimum. Oh, for... look, I am not dancing on TikTok, right, <laughs> ever. Like, I am the most uncoordinated person ever because I have, like, the double whammy yeah. of the Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and the blindness. There is no coordination or balance happening here. <laughs> so, like, there will be no dancing. No, okay. Okay. We might have to get you on as an advisor for when we have we start our TikToks. We've got we an account. Yeah, definitely. We don't post Ages, anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we just don't know what we're doing, really. So, you know. No, but if we if we can find ourselves as a, a resident nerd, then uh, we'll be we'll be sorted. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Uh, so Gemma was, I think this is the second second possibly third person that I have had to say this about. Gemma was originally <laughs> going to join us on our disability technology series, but we have had so many cool people be like, "Hey, can I come on your disability technology series?" That I've had to be like, "Look, we've got other episodes. Just just come on." on those instead please because you're all awesome but there are only so many days in october <laughs> i just can't fit yep. you all in uh so that's why we've got Gemma with us today she's going to talk to us a bit about being a nerd and a bit about uh women's equality which i think is something that uh we can all get behind so Gemma. so the sort of being on the the steering group for the women's equality party how did that kind of all come about Sure. So, um, bear with. Okay. I'm scrolling. I have like notes. Oh no! Because... See, this is why no, I'm prepared. I... People who are prepared. Well, that's the autistic have... community. They know what they're fucking doing when they come on this show. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not just that, but also everything I do with the steering committee is confidential. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, help! What? What can I say? I don't know. Um, and so I was panicking. So. Basically, um, it came about because um, the Women's Equality Party, small political party in the UK, yeah. campaigning for change and things like ending misogyny and tackling violence against women and girls and dealing with inequalities in healthcare that we all know women face. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was started by Sandy Toxvig and Catherine Mayer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, as part of that kind of as part of the natural evolution of the party um caucuses were formed and we were made official uh about coming up for two years ago now and so basically a caucus is like a group of people that all have a shared kind of interest mm -hmm. or a shared experience so we currently have three caucuses we have the lgbtqia plus caucus yeah I am really bad at saying that. So at some point, I will probably say it in the wrong order during this recording. I mean, no offence. Um, we also have the Race Equality Caucus and we have the Disability Caucus. So when we had our Disability Caucus elections, um, I do have done quite a few things locally with local government in Southampton, campaigning for better accessibility and campaigning for change and things like that. Um, so I stood to be on the steering committee and I was elected to that post. And it's really cool because I'm part of the party's central decision-making body. So outside of conference, kind of between conferences, yeah. 
the steering committee plan things like campaigning and budgets and all of that kind of stuff. And it's really cool because I am a disabled person there representing the views of other disabled people yeah. who are not there. And I also think it's really cool that I'm sat in the room with CEOs and women at the top of their fields and lawyers and doctors and politics professors and all kinds of things. And then there's little old unemployed me. <laughs> and actually, I think that's really good for us as well. <laughs> yeah. And I just kind of think how many political parties have unemployed people involved in their management and sure. their campaigning mm -hmm. and all of that i mean how many you know if we look at the top three uh yeah. of the political parties in this country how many of those the people there are not rich white men yes so exactly yeah. it's uh it's nice to hear that there are parties out there that are really shipping that diversity yeah because equally like all of the caucuses have a representative on the steering committee mm. so we're really intersectional and um, what I absolutely love is uh, since that happened I have now become co-leader of the disability caucus as well which wasn't supposed to happen but I was elected so it did happen like oops and um, was it kind of an oops and daisy moment of how the hell have I ended up here? like oh I, I signed up for something else by accident <laughs> we spoke to no. somebody who said that, that it happened by accident something happened to them by accident they were like Do you it know? was Louise was yeah. talking about uh when she was uh, accidentally made the VP or the president of the uh disabled student union at uh berkeley because she wasn't she uh wasn't she was hearing impaired yeah. and didn't hear what people were saying in the decision making and it was meeting. only when her, it was only when her pa went do you know what's just happened she went no <laughs> that her pa had to tell her yeah so um basically we had to hold a election as for really complicated reasons our leader had to stand down mm -hmm. And so I stood with my colleague, Ali, and um, I, we, we were not expecting to be, end up as co-leaders. We were like, the, <laughs> let's make sure, let's make up the numbers. Yeah, yeah. Let's, you know, let's make give sure them a that, choice. Like, of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we were there to kind of make up the numbers, really. Yeah. And then suddenly we were elected and we were both a bit like, oh okay but it's fine because we work really well together that's good i am shocking with numbers me too and like not the most organized person ever like i'm the type of autistic that like can't organize their way out of a paper bag right <laughs> like i'm late for everything i turn up to appointments on the wrong day i even have like a special app on my phone to help me no um <laughs> I also can't pack a bag, which is hilarious. Um, but yeah, so we complement each other really, really well. And actually having two of us is really helpful because, you know, if something needs doing and one of us is having a, a crummy time of it, the other one just steps in. Mm. And uh, and so, yeah, um, it's busy, busy, busy. Yeah, sounds it. When you say about having somebody who can, who to like co-chair with you, it make, it's make, it makes me feel like about how I feel about this podcast. I think me and you, Alice, we sort of dovetail each other really nicely, don't we? So on the days where maybe you're struggling to find time to do something, I can step in. Or when days when I'm particularly feeling a bit like exhausted, you're like, no, it's all right, I'll do it. It's fine. And I think, you know, having 
having somebody who understands that actually disability is very complicated when it comes to like every day can it can get very complicated i think it's something that non-disabled people they they don't realize or understand how how having that disabled counterpart with you to go actually i've got this we can we can with between the two of us we can work this out together that's something very powerful i think that people don't realize and i think that there is a, a move amongst younger generations to have kind of positive uplifting partnerships and relationships mm. particularly you know amongst women i think that you know if you watch movies and stuff from like the 90s and earlier it's all about women comparing themselves to one another and trying to one up one another and oh, yeah. i think that there is a move more recently in women trying to say well actually you know what if you need help with this or if you can't do this i'm not gonna stand there and watch you know you fall apart i'm actually gonna lift you up i'm gonna support you to be able to do the thing and and achieve the goal mm. and i think you know yeah. these are both two really good examples of of seeing that of recognizing one another's you know successes and difficulties recognizing people's skills and um you know things that they might find more difficult and complementing each other and supporting each other even you know even when there's stuff that's like you know like i'm i don't have the time to do something and even though lucy's knackered she'll make the time to do it it's you know it is about being supportive of one another even when it's kind of not necessarily like easy for you or like convenient for you yeah definitely and like i have definitely joined steering committee meetings from my bed in a dark Absolutely. room and like they've all had the pleasure of seeing me in bed in my pajamas mm -hmm. and um <laughs> like we had going back to the caucus we had a great thing uh, in the caucus yesterday because we were talking about sort of celebrating wins and things yeah. like that and you know we were like right let's all blow each other's trumpets um what what have you what's everyone done lately that's you know made them feel proud or like mm. you know all that kind of stuff and, and mine for yesterday was genuinely I put clothes on and I put a bra on mm. yeah. um, and you know I was like yes I bossed this so yeah it's about you know being in the moment and being authentic and i just i think it's a real privilege that i get to do that mm -hmm. Absolutely. and i think it's it's something that you know unfortunately there are people within the disability community who aren't necessarily very good at looking outside of what their experiences are and what their like accessibility issues might be or whatever and i'm i'm thinking of a a particular uh comedian who's uh does uh, does uh, a lot uh. of stuff <laughs> yeah and uh who has a a strong tendency to put their own uh kind of needs and their own i'm glad uh, you're saying it's not me first, <laughs> because it's whereas i think actually you know if there were more people across the community you know the disabled community and the, the women's community who said well just because that's not my experience doesn't mean it's not other people's experience let's make space for them let's give them a, the opportunity to say hey this is my win even if it doesn't seem like a win for you like mm. for some people getting dressed is just something they do every day but yeah. 
actually like listening to you say that Gemma I'm definitely like there are days where I'm like I got dressed before one o'clock that's a win you know (laughs) and actually um I gave evidence to um an inquiry looking at the accessibility of Southampton uh last year I think yeah um and so it was really interesting to me and um but one of the things that that's kind of come out of it is that like there's within Southampton there's this kind of like divides among the disabled community and there's a lack of kind of awareness of each other's needs Mm -hmm. and it's that thing that there are always going to be conflicting access needs I myself am the perfect example. Need to sit at the front so I have a hope of being able to use assistive technology to like be able to read something that's on a screen yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But actually, if I'm at the front and there's and there's like someone speaking or playing music or something like that with my autism, I just can't stand yeah. it. And I have to then put in earplugs and then like I'm completely isolated from everyone around me because I'm just like earplugs and looking at the screen Mm. so like it's just that thing that we have to recognize that conflicting access needs exist and it's about kind of almost being gracious to each other and you know going okay that's not going to work for me but how can we make this work for both of us and like yeah Yeah, i think as well like making stuff accessible I think people often think, oh, yeah, we've got a ramp, it's fine. Or we've got a ramp and a hearing loop, it's fine. Or, you know, this kind of thing. But when you, if you, if people take a step back and think, actually, we've got to make it accessible to everybody, that's when people get a bit like, oh, about everything. They're like, it's going to cost me thousands of pounds. And actually, you know, if you think about it methodically and sensibly, it probably is not going to be as expensive as you think it is. Um I can't remember the point I was going to make, um, but it's, it is, it's that sort of like thinking about it as, you know, and, and I think it blows people's minds when, when you say to people, I have got multiple disabilities because they don't quite know what to, what to support you with first, how to help you. Like, because they're like, if it's just a wheelchair, I can cope with it. If it's just blindness, I can cope with it. But if you're blinded in a wheelchair, I don't know. How does this work? It blows their mind, doesn't it? But honestly, like me in my power chair with my cane in town, like, obviously I've done all the training. I'm safe to use my cane from my wheelchair. It's a slightly different technique, but it's almost the same as the technique for walking. Yeah. And there's things like when I turn, the cane turns first and all of those things. And I can use all of the same skills. But honestly, you could sell tickets mm-hmm. because like this, st- like I'm not aware of it because I'm blind. Yeah. But I've been out with friends and they are like, everyone is staring at us. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they are just stunned by the awesomeness <laughs> that I am blind, yeah. but I am safe exactly. and I am in control of my wheelchair. So I was 27 when I got diagnosed. And although it was a relief to finally have that diagnosis, I did have a period where I really had massive internalized ableism. That's like, well, when the time comes that I need to use a wheelchair, that's it. I won't be able to have a guide dog anymore. I won't be able to go out independently anymore. I won't be able to live on my own anymore like 
it, it's just going to be, I'm going to end up in a care home at a really young age. And I was really kind of quite sad about that. And then when I learned that guide dogs were offering cane training to wheelchair users, and I spoke to them about it. And with my guide dog at the time, uh, she did training to walk to heel next to my wheelchair. And actually, all my internalised ableism was completely wrong, like completely wrong. What my wheelchair gave me was increased independence yeah. and meant that I could go out on my bad days and I could still get my dog out for a walk and a sniffari and a free run and all of those things, even if I was in a horrific amount of pain and couldn't walk. Like, and so it's about having your toolkit yeah. and picking the right tools at the right time yeah. and no one gets the right tool 100% of the time. No. No, it's um, it's really you t talking there about your sort of experience and and getting uh, you know, having your dog to to walk, work and walk with you when you've got your wheelchair gave me a sort of not recovered memory, but I suddenly kind of thought of when I was uh doing my master's degree. It was before I had a guide dog, but it was very much the point in my life where I started going i need something to keep me safe because i hated using a cane i never used a cane um until within the last two years and there was i it was not i never spoke to her it was terrible i look back i was a terrible horrible voyeurist, voyeuristic ableist person but there was somebody else at my uni um she was a tiny east asian woman who I believe English was her second language. Sometimes she used a wheelchair. Sometimes she used uh, one of those uh, like walking frames with a wheel, mm -hmm. with wheel. Um, and she also had a guide dog. And I have a memory of standing and watching, waiting for her to go in a lift. And she she took up a whole lift when she was on her own, mm -hmm. uh, when she was with her dog in her and in her chair. Mm -hmm. I stood there and watched her and was like. Like you, I'm walking around going, oh, you know, making myself unsafe and going, I need to do something and I don't want to use a cane and because it makes me hate myself. And there is this person who is coming to uni and fucking smashing it with all of these obstacles in her path, all of these barriers put in front of her. And she's just, she's just fucking doing it. Yeah. Why am I holding myself back? And it was a real, like, I can remember thinking, like, because I had to, I had a support worker who would, like, meet me at the train station and walk me to uni every day. But, like, I'd have to finish uni at half two in the winter because I couldn't travel safely yeah. on my own in, on, in the dark. Yeah, so once I got on the train, I was on my own. And it was just, I can just remember watching this woman and thinking, like, like obviously you still have barriers that you have to kind of tackle every day but like that would be something i just i could just go out whenever the fuck i wanted and i and look yeah. at you just doing it and just just living your life and you know i'm projecting obviously because i didn't actually speak to this woman but i would see her on campus and stuff and she just was just doing her thing yeah and it is one of those things that i think when you can recognize that actually these these tools are exactly that they're tools and they they give you independence and sometimes they're not perfect sometimes you don't pull out the right tool sometimes you know 
With and I, sometimes I, your guide dog does a poop in an inappropriate place. <laughs> um, before we go on, I just need to clarify something because otherwise uh, I will get in trouble. But my previous guide dog was not trained to guide me okay. in my wheelchair. So I 100% always used a cane in my wheelchair. Okay. But it meant that I had like this special strap that I could put around yeah. my arm. Um, it's actually used for people with paralysis that want to like work out in the gym. Yeah. So it's probably like Weighted heavily rated. Yeah. And um, so I would attach my guide dog's lead to that. And her training was essentially to kind of uh, focus on in my wheelchair was to focus on listening for the verbal only commands. Because mm. obviously you can't use your body language no. or positioning or anything like that in a wheelchair. Um, but I still needed to make sure that she stopped at the curb and didn't walk into the road and that she didn't walk in front of my chair and things like that. Sadly, um, guide dogs for many, many years has been actually training dogs to guide people in wheelchairs. Um, that, but you have to choose either have a guide dog to guide you when walking or a guide dog to guide you in your chair. Right. They can't, okay. can't have both. I see. And actually, um, with waiting lists how they are at Guide Dogs mm. right now, they have stopped offering training really? for Guide Dogs for people in wheelchairs mm -hmm. um, completely. Uh, and so all the current owners that are out there basically can't reply. Um, I mean, the general waiting list for Guide Dogs at the moment is two years. Well, I've been waiting four. Yeah, it's... Wow. Um, it's it's i actually had a conversation with my um the person who came out for aftercare a couple of weeks ago it's it's not a resources problem they're in terms of um cash they're doing really well in terms of you know they're, they're doing as well as they need to as a charity and actually in terms of of the flow of dogs they've got the dogs now whereas that because that was a problem for a while because a lot of the dogs didn't pass who came out of um who trained you in covid didn't is that pass, they... like socializing and that kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um and so... also mummy and daddy doggies had to stop having their date oh night. Yeah. i see but the biggest the biggest thing that is stopping guide dogs from being able to kind of get things moving again um is a lack of volunteers really? they don't have fosterers for the dogs oh, no. they don't have people to do the puppy walking um and because they're a charity they rely so heavily on volunteers to help oh. with the that dog care element that's the the thing that's holding them back the most at the moment you see this is what i love about this podcast you just learn so much stuff from other people it's great sorry Gemma. yeah and also um there have been problems and issues which i'm not going to go into because they're really complicated to do with the new training mm -hmm. they've lost a lot and of staff haven't they because they've lost a lot of staff but also um, the success rates of dogs actually making it through training is the lowest it's been mm. in like a generation. Wow. It used to be like in the 70s, nearly in the 80s. And at the moment, it's in the kind of 20% mark. And that has had some media coverage. So I'm not saying anything that, you know, I shouldn't, shouldn't know say. or shouldn't be out right. there. Okay. Um, it's been in the media. It's been quite widely reported. And yeah, it is a little bit... Um, at times, it has been really hard because I never thought when my last guide dog had to retire very suddenly due to a health issue that I would wait four years. Mm. I mean, the longest I had waited for my 
previous two dogs was nine months yeah. and I know that I was really lucky mm. but I'm suddenly being told things like that I'm hard to match because I'm tall and I'm like well can't really shrink myself mm. um you know I just have my um, <laughs> yeah it's just like things like that um and so yeah it has been really difficult waiting four years and it's just I use a cane and I use a cane very, you know, skillfully, I'm told, but it is just exhausting yeah, and draining. It's not the same as a guide dog. I can remember, Alice, when you were going, th when you had that period of time before Dora and Lola had to sort of retire and you were going through your cane training, how much we did an episode about it and how I learned so much stuff about using a cane and how, you know, it's, it's, not of course it's not the same as having a dog but you kind of think well it's all right they've got a cane but you i learned so much about how body language like we were saying before and how you know moving your arms and, and using having to be aware of other things it's around so you. it's physical as well as yeah. like mentally yeah. draining whereas i think like obviously with the dogs there's there is an element of you kind of having to be physically aware of what you're doing in terms of commands and yes, stuff of course. but it's it's not the same on your body whereas like for a cane like your hand has to be your arm has to be in a really specific position yeah and um with my ellis danlos i was basically told four years ago when i went on the waiting list by a mobility specialist a cane isn't going to be a long-term option mm. for you you're not going to be able to sustain this mm. and i was like i'm in so much pain with my arm i can imagine like this is just and she's like you're just gonna to have to suck it up for now and hope you get a match quickly mm -hmm. um and we're now four years later um i have had extensive problems with my arm and the logical thing would just be oh just use your other arm i can use my cane with either arm yeah mm -hmm. but the problem is if I just swap to my other arm and I injure my left arm, yeah, exactly. then I'm not going to be able to have a guide dog. No. Mm. So it's not worth the risk. No. And so I will say they have been really good. Um, lately, I had a real flare up of like tendonitis and everything in my cane arm. So um, I'm trying a cane that's kind of built for off-road and has what they call a push broom handle and it has little wheels on it. Oh, wow. So you don't have to sweep it from side to side. Right, okay. But it does offer you less protection because we were looking at other options and the other options was to use kind of like a diagonal technique and everything. Mm. But we quickly realised I was not going to be safe to use a diagonal technique because I was blind on the side of me that was the least pr mm. protected. I'm totally blind. Right. So that didn't really work. And so we were both like scratching our heads, kind of going, how can we do this so that I can yeah. still go outside? Like still experience the outside world and it's exactly that trying to to find the tool and the skills and the the practice that kind of covers all of your bases and yeah. it's it is really you know it is really difficult i you know with my my sciatica and how bad my back's been like i i've been really struggling with doing long sort of trips um but then it's like no dog wants to go out for 10 minutes three times a day no to do the same route like no. the dogs want to go somewhere that's kind do, of yeah. what they're, they're brought up to do is like hey we go to a destination we have a, we do a thing we come home again and it's yeah it's caused there's been a lot of it's it's so difficult 
it, it feels like you've got a lot of balls in the air, you know, mm. and it's trying to kind of juggle them all to find the right thing. I think, but I think that is also just something you get used to when you're disabled. Yeah. I, oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I know it's not exactly the same thing at all because, you know, you have guide, we're talking about guide dogs and stuff, but like recently I have been trying to get a bit fitter because it just got to the point where I was just feeling sluggish and not very well and horrible about myself. So I'm trying to get a bit fitter just for general all-round health. Um, and part of it is pushing myself a bit more because of being uh, because of lockdowns and one thing and another, and we've had health issues in the family. I've not been able to get out, um, and and sort of get that push like in to get exercise because I've not been able to go very far on a company. I have to be accompanied because otherwise I'll just like, end up in the middle of the road with a car behind me or whatever. So I have to be accompanied, but um. I tried to do a bit of exercise. I was feeling re- before I did the exercise. I was feeling really positive. I was like, "Yeah, let's get out in the fresh air. Let's get out in the yeah. fresh air and like push myself, get my heart rate up and stuff." I pushed myself around town for about half an hour, an hour, and the day after, I had pulled a muscle in my neck because I had been walking on a pe- wheeling on a pavement that had got a very, very steep camber outside the shop. Been there. And I was trying to f- like keep in a straight line, push myself, and because but because I was like counterbalancing the camber, I'd pull the muscle in my neck, and this pain in my neck lasted a week. It went up into my jaw, and I was just like, "This is this." I'm I'm trying to get better and trying to stay just fit. Like you can't win sometimes. Yeah, and I'm you? like, what? Like, oh yeah, definitely. It, I'm trying it's to make when my... you like. Yeah, awful. It's when you like injure yourself yep. doing physio. Yeah. That is like my my pet peeve. I hate that. Um, and like, so for context, I have hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. All my connective tissues are weak. I once, uh, about three years ago, I went to sit on a bed, mm-hmm. and I went to sit on my bed and uh, didn't know at the time, but had the most excruciating neck pain I've ever experienced in my life. Um, and I'd herniated a disc in my neck oh. and it had immediately crushed all the nerves that went down my right arm. And so I lost all my tricep function in that arm. I lost feeling in that arm. Goodbye being able to read Braille in that arm. Mm. And, um, but what is crazy for me is people see me out and about. They see me on the street. They see me on TikTok. They see the cane. They think, ah, oh, she's blind. But actually quite often what is most disabling for me in that moment is my hidden disability yeah. mm. that people cannot see. Yeah. So now when I go to London, I always wear a sunflower lanyard and I've got this badge that says blind and disabled. Like, um, and I've got like a please offer me a seat badge and I've got a thing that <laughs> explains about pots on it as well. Mm. And like, I walk around with this lanyard on like, Look, look at me. Look, <laughs> properly disabled. All of the disabled. <laughs> a friend of mine's about to go on holiday to Australia and she's got a seizure disorder and she's got a little sign. She's got a sunflower lanyard and she's got a little sign that says, I'm not drunk, I have a seizure disorder. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she's just like, because she's genuinely worried. Do you feel like, like we should I'm like drunk. create pamphlets that we just carry around? Like a yes. laminated pamphlet going, just read this. Hello, yeah, yeah. read this, please. I, my frequently asked questions. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> and it's like um you say that but i had to fill out one of those e-consult things uh -huh. because i needed basically my eyes are really messed up there's more things wrong with my eyes than are right with them okay i don't just have one eye condition i've got about 30. <laughs> okay but i've got them all okay and i had got something in my eye on a zoom call of all things and it was a big piece of fluff and it took me a while to be able to get it out and um i was like okay because of the risk i need covering antibiotic eye drops just in case I've scratched my cornea yeah. trying to get this out. Yeah, okay. So I contact my GP and I'm like, these are the eye drops I need. This is what happened. <laughs> these are the only eye drops I can have. I cannot have the XYZ eye drops. <laughs> it needs to be these eye drops. And they phoned me back and they're like, can you go to eye casualty? And I was like, I'm not going to eye casualty. You've got to be kidding. Just give me the I damn drops. <laughs> I'm like, I live in Southampton. That for me to go to my eye casualty where I am a patient, I've got to go train up to London and go to Moorfields that... just for some covering antibiotic yep. drops. Yep. Like, because if you go to your local hospital's eye casualty, no fucker there has any idea what they're doing. No. What I went to my I went to my local eye hospital casualty eight years ago or something, and a woman literally stood in front of me in a poorly lit room and asked me how many fingers i was holding up and i was like you are just i think i, I remember I you telling me this you. i cannot see you Honestly. yeah and she so was much. like oh my God, you can't see me and i was like no no no, no. Th that's the normal bit that's not the bit i'm worried about <laughs> like yeah so my mum is actually blind too and my mum lost the majority of her vision when she was 17 and now she has light perception but it's it's mostly gone every time she goes to the eye unit they stand her in front of the eye chart and they're like what what letters can you see and she stands there and goes there's a board where is it am i pointing in the right direction and, and then they try and do like can you see my hand and my fingers and how many fingers am i holding up and she's like i can see light if it's like really bright and i'm in a dark room i can see that there's light and she's Other like, than that, nothing. And then they were like, try really hard. Oh, yeah, because that, uh, that solves like, everything, doesn't it? Trying. I know. I got told to try really hard to oh, see an man. eye chart as oh. part of my PIP assessment. Oh. And I went a little bit nutty. Yes, I can imagine. It's, like, it's I like was like, saying to Lucy, Lucy, can you just try a bit harder to walk, please? Yeah. Yeah. Can you try and get so, down those stairs? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. actually, the reality of it is that. I am putting so much of my brain of power yeah. into concentrating yeah. on the visual things that I can see mm -hmm. and I can make out yeah. that, like, the idea that I just wasn't trying, I was just being lazy, it's just craziness. I, I, had, I sort of said something to my husband the other day, I was like, I've been so tired recently that I can only see things if I'm actually looking at them. Yes. Like, I, if I can't, you can't I cannot pick up the noise Any, yeah anymore because no. it's just i my eyes are so tired that like to see something i have to stop and i have to look at the thing and i need to take the yeah. time to adjust to see the thing mm -hmm. yeah. and then i Familiar. have to take the time to process of the shapes and the colors and stuff that i'm seeing and then i'm like oh i know what that is if a like if captain america would start bollock naked behind the thing that i was looking at at that moment i wouldn't see it mm -hmm. And that, no. that and is it's... my dream thing to see. <laughs> it's, 
it's the funny thing is with my TikToks is that I sometimes film using a head mount and a camera so people get kind of my eye view but without my visual impairment. Yeah. And um, like people were like, oh, it's so cool. You walk past Bumblebee. And I was like, what? What are people talking about? Was there a Bumblebee on the camera? Yeah. What? yeah. No, it was someone dressed yeah, as Bumblebee dancing. Right. Yeah. Crazy. Someone was dressed as Bumblebee dancing with a light up costume <laughs> and everything. And I walked <laughs> right past this guy yep. and did not notice, <sighs> did not even, I heard the noise, didn't know you what didn't, it was. Yeah, but if, you, and if and, you can't see it, why would you be bothered in going, oh, that's a man dressed in a life costume? Life is too fucking short exactly. for me just to spend my time going, what's the thing I can't see? Yeah, exactly. Like, I've, yeah. Got, I've got places to go. I can't spend 20 of the 24 hours in the day going, what's that? <laughs> there is this thing that I do. And I only do it with certain members of my family. I'm not telling you which ones because they'll cotton onto it. But um, that's somebody will go, oh, look at that plane over there. Now I've got eyes that work, right? They'll go, look at that plane over there. I look in the direction of where they're pointing, but I don't necessarily go, oh, yeah, I see it. But I go, oh, yeah, yeah, because I, I cannot, that. I cannot be bothered. Like, you're not looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> but look, yeah. I don't care. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know what? I used to be such a bad teenager <laughs> at the eye unit because um, I so I used to be able to see a little bit out of my right eye and now can't see anything out of my right eye. And so, um, but my left eye has always been the better one. Right. So I go in there, memorize the eye chart. <laughs> nice one. And then just and then just when they like covered my left eye yeah. and I couldn't see it anymore, I just read it off and I did it for years and years and years. Okay. For years, did they change the layout of the eye chart? <laughs> no, they got electronic ones ah. that they reflect, they refresh. Yeah. And so, oh. like every new patient, it's got a different. Oh. Yeah. And so, they, and they caught me out when I was about fifteen, sixteen, and were like, "How long have you been cheating on the eye test for?" And I was like, I "Don't remember when I started." <laughs> when, so long when ago. I about, when I was about twelve. <laughs> yeah. On, on yeah. reflection, you're just like, I am, I'm just shooting myself in the foot in this situation. But at the time, you're just like, like I'm 13. Of, of course, I'm going to be like, hey, I won the eye test. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, it's like, it's not like they can magically fix my no, eyes. No. There's too much wrong with them. Exactly. Like, what, what are they going like, to do about it? Oh, uh, and like, do you ever forget that thing where people are like, oh, do you ever, you know, think about what happened when like, medical science advances and you get all your vision back and i'm like hang on a minute i like i was born almost completely blind i then had loads of surgery to make me partially sighted as a kid i then found out the surgery i had as a kid is now blinding me oh. as an adult <laughs> and causing me to lose the vision that i do have Wonderful. and so i've gone already gone from being having completely stable partial vision and she might be able to drive one day and all it never happened i never got to that stage no. just in case anyone was wondering um and then like you know age 21 i'm being told i'm going to lose all the vision that i've got and that my stable vision isn't stable actually and i was like there's nothing to restore like that like no. my eyes are smaller than they should be. They don't have lenses. I don't really have irises because I had to have pupils made when I was a baby. Like I was like, this, this, this shit ain't fixable. Like with all the will in the world, like it's it's, it's really not... hard. So my eye condition is at a stage where um, they're actually doing stem cell testing on humans. Are they? Um, 
Mm-hmm. They haven't identified what. <laughs> I have my Moorfields appointment a couple of uh, weeks ago, beginning of June. You, yeah, I remember um, you telling me you were going. And um, they still haven't identified. So they've identified more than 200 and something, 280 genes, I think it is, that cause my eye condition. I do not have any of them. Right. However, oh, good. Yeah. keep going, keep they, going. They, they did bring me into the genetics office to tell me that they found that I have a uh, gene for a rare kind of childhood cataracts. Right. Um, which is really interesting because although I had cataracts out, uh, I had my cataracts out when I was in my early 20s, and this gene should cause cataracts so severe that you need to have them out in infancy. I had mine out at like 10 weeks old. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. I beat you. <laughs> yeah. So this this is the thing. They're like, so you have this gene that's supposed to make, supposed to mean that you should have cataracts out when you're 10 weeks old, but you didn't, you had them out when you were 20. Did they give you so... a speaker or a lollipop? Or <laughs> so, yes. They were like, so they, oh, that's really interesting. I was like, so you, you haven't found the gene that I'd like you to find, but you found this other one. But actually, it doesn't really matter at this point anyway. No, Alice, <laughs> then... if, they, if they do find the gene, if they find mm-hmm. your gene mm-hmm. for this treatment, whatever, what will that do? Will it stop it getting so worse or will it improve it, it or what? Cell, the stem cells, as I understand it, what they're doing is injecting the stem cells to the rods and cones at the back of everybody's eyes uh-huh. uh, die off and then should regenerate. Right. As you get older, they regenerate less, which is why people's vision tends to get worse. They have to go to Specsavers, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. for um, for me, they just have been dying off. And not like, doing anything. Uh, so my understanding is that these stem cells will give me the, the things that have died off again. But so that will the problem it will improve is, it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the problem is, is so they'll they'll be able to put all new rods and cones, like the genes for the rods and cones, back in my eyes, mm. but that they won't be able to fix the fact that they'll just die off. Oh, okay. So I would be in the same position after a period of time, but that period of time could be twenty five years. Or could, could they be... do it again after like twenty five years? Could they do it again? Or I, I mean, it's super early. I don't really know. I don't really know what the success rates um, is. Oh. And as I say, at the moment, I don't know which one I've got. So yeah. Well, no... if if you do, have you had? Go on. Sorry, hmm? Gemma. Sorry. It's... No, it's no, fine. The visual impairment at Nautilus. No, I didn't mean to talk. No, it's fine. It's fine. Have you had a needle through your eye before? So I've had my cataracts out, but I absolutely... Ins- no, I mean through. Yeah, no, I was going to say no, because I insisted when I had my cataracts out, I said I will not be awake for this. I just yeah. I just refused. So, um, See? so no. I, I do understand they do... They are doing all of this under general. Okay. So... Fine. But... Yeah. Um, so <laughs> part of the reason that I have PTSD, and I can talk about it fine, and I... I don't know whether because... I want you to talk about it. I <laughs> <laughs> okay, needles. Not, it's not the it's top not, of my list. It's not of bad. I'm going to keep it as vanilla as possible. I was going to say because I mean, I, I don't have I don't have a problem with my eyes, but even I'm feeling a bit <laughs> about this. Okay. So basically, in the process of losing all the vision in my right eye, at, when I was 21, I had a hemorrhage in the back of my right eye. Out of the blue, I had a macular hemorrhage. Mm. It's typically the sort of thing associated with wet macular degeneration. Right. Obviously, I was 21 at the time. And so I was offered an experimental treatment um, 
which worked, but other things happened and I lost the vision in the eye anyway. But it involved um, having my eye numbed up and literally Ooh. injecting into my macula mm-hmm. in the back of my eye whilst I was awake. Mm-mm. And it was numb, but it was like a terrifying experience. I, I had to have it done multiple, multiple times, like every couple of weeks. Uh. And part of the reason I ended up with PTSD is because because of Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, local anaesthetic is less effective on me. And before I was officially diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, age 27, no one believed me. Yeah. And so I was dismissed as an anxious patient. And so I, I, like, on one of these, these injections, I was like, and then I was scheduled to have another one. And I actually phoned my consultant and I was like, look, I can't do it. Last time it was so painful. Mm. Like, it was just horrible and like i'm so worried Mm -hmm. that it's going to be painful again because i felt like i was going to pass out last time and so they did it in theater instead and he properly did it himself and properly made sure i was properly numb but yeah that's that's how i ended up with ptsd because no i can understand that though to be fair i i had 27 years of like dentists and everything not believing me Mm. again this is coming back to women in healthcare and you know if you're a woman your pain isn't always believed or isn't always taken seriously i was dismissed as an anxious neurotic patient that was imagining feeling pain Mm -hmm. when actually i was feeling horrific pain when they were pulling out my tooth and things like that um i actually got told off by my gp um last year when i had my contraceptive implant taken out um and i sort of pulled a face while he was in the middle of doing it he was like can you feel that and i was like yeah and he was like you're not supposed to be able to feel it you're supposed to tell me when the local anesthetic stops working and i was like oh (laughs) just just sitting there while you're cutting my arm (laughs) yeah don't mind me doc carry on (laughs) yeah yeah and so um now now like it's one of those weird things like as soon as i got the ellis daniels diagnosis people believed me but to get the ellis daniels diagnosis by that point I'd already had like a proper eye surgery under sedation where the sedation and the local hadn't worked. And like, it was like, it was like the stuff of nightmares. And it's just like, no wonder I've ended up with PTSD. Like, exactly. Such a no brainer. Oh, Jesus. But I now go in and I talk to med students about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and like, even if it's not even vaguely related, I go, just so you know, always remember this. People with hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, often local anaesthetic and sedation are less effective. Mm. You just got to remember that. That's and all the, I want you to remember. The thing is, though, Gemma, that those medical students, they might not, they, but that will go in and they might never use it for years and years and years, but they may see somebody with EDS and go, hang on a minute, hang on, remember, Gemma said... Yeah, you know, yeah, the crazy woman with the guide dog. It's just, it's just that kind. The the thing that just, just is a marvel to me is that you know that you can be sitting there to your doctor going, no, no, I can, I can feel that, but that hurts. I can feel that, and they're like, no, you can't. Don't be silly. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. and it was, it was mainly dentists that did that to me. But yeah, it's just, and yeah, and I just, um, 
I've definitely had like I've had quite a few surgeries on various parts of my body because uh, I <laughs> this is just a fun thing about Jammer. I have lots of moles and I'm quite pale. So it puts me at a slightly higher risk of skin cancer because I have like more moles on my body than average. <laughs> and so I've had about five removed and three of them turned out to be like have like pre-cancerous changes and all that kind of stuff. And like every time I go in and I'm like, just so you know, local anesthetic is a, le- le- a bit less effective on me. And just so you know, I also bleed a lot. And yeah. they were like, oh, have you got a clotting disorder? And I'm like, no, <laughs> not all bleeding is because of a clotting disorder. It's because my connective tissues are like literally falling apart. Yeah. Um, and like, like every time, like there was one time I'd had a surgery on my foot and I'd been laying on the operating theatre and they'd managed to numb me up and it had all gone fine and it was all good. And they like got me a wheelchair to wheel me out of the operating theatre and into recovery. And by the time I'd got into recovery, the, the bandages around my foot were just saturated. Like I'd properly t- done a done a great bleed <laughs> because uh, because like my blood vessels and everything are, are all a bit stretchy and all a bit wrong. I don't have vascular EDS, but it's just it's just one of those things. And it's like sometimes you tell a medical professional something and you're like, I am the expert in my condition. Yeah. I am the expert in my body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But trying to I, get them to believe I always me. find that when I go to a hospital, because they don't see many people with cerebral palsy, you know, it's like, oh, can we just bring a student in? And when they say student, yeah. they mean students more than yeah, they one. Mean 17, they come in like it's like yeah. it's like a it, there's a there's a line of like young people and they're like looking at you like oh, making notes. And one yeah. when I had some physio, um, whilst I was having the physio, and me and my physio had a great relationship where I would basically tell them, You're horrible, I hate you, this hurts. <laughs> All constantly, yeah. all the time for an hour. I hate you. This hurts. I'm hot. I didn't hate them. They were lovely, but I at the time they were the worst person on earth. Um, yeah, naturally. Yeah, physioterapist. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, but I can remember this one physio student went, "Your condition is fascinating," and I'm like, "Really, mate? Do you want to? Do you want? Why are you doing this now? This is not a conversation I need to be having whilst somebody's pulling my leg apart. Just stop it. Like, I'm not fascinating. Just le- just keep your mouth shut and we'll have a chat afterwards. Not now. Um, but yeah, yeah. they always bring in like, an, I always have an audience if I'm not careful. If I go to a new hospital or seeing a new consultant, they're like, oh, do you mind if um, we bring some students in? Crack on. Go on. Hello. Yeah. Hello, everybody. I am. Um actually at the point now where um nine out of ten times if it's to do with my eyes i'm like nope nope no to students because i've had situations and you know i spoke about moorfields earlier i am quite new to being treated at moorfields i was treated at a local hospital before there were problems and like they would get me there and they'd be like the consultant would do his thing and then be like oh can a student have a look I'm still there half an hour later with my head in the same position in the Goldman machi- machine or whatever it's called. And like, he's going to the student, can you see blah, 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 blah. 
And the student's like, no. And then he's like, well, look at blah, blah, blah. And I'm still there like half an hour later. Yeah. And then the next student comes up. Yeah. And, you know, one of the, the conditions I have is nystagmus. So I have trouble holding my yeah. eyes still. And I'm also really sensitive to bright light. And I'm like, you know what, I, I'm done. I, I can't do this anymore. And so that is the only area that I'm like, no, not helping. I, I've done my time. I've been letting my students I mean, look at my eyes since I was a baby. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm done now. But I always think, like, my cerebral palsy, I don't think, is that, like, it's just kind of like, it's very sort of common. There's nothing about my condition that makes people go, oh, that's new. Never seen that before. Yeah. Like, like, why? But it's because they just don't see people with cerebral palsy. It's like we're some sort of, like, we're from the Wizard of Oz or something. like. And it's... I think it's the the problem with it is is if there were more exposure for disabled people in society in the world then when those medical students came to potentially meet a disabled person they it would be more about humanizing a condition that they've learned about yeah exactly but what actually is happening in these situations is and and I get it I get that there is a level of importance for medical students seeing real life people with health conditions in a medical so that, setting yeah yeah so that when they are doctors and surgeons they can be like oh i know i know what this is but i think that we need that there needs to be an element of not separating the medicine from the human being and you know the condition the medical condition from the person but from you know, if you're going to have a medical student in because a person's got a quote unquote interesting condition or, you know, a rare disorder that a person, you know, a medical student may not get an, another opportunity to see in re- like the real world. There's, it needs to be something that's planned. It needs to be the, per- the student needs to understand the condition before they go in and then meet the person living yeah. with it rather yeah. than being like, can you yep. see this in this person's eye? Like, no. because actually you can be you can be practicing you can learn on some kind of piece of tech or even just a fucking photograph at the back of somebody's eye where they can be like hey you see this and this that's how you know that that's what this condition is Mm. before they then go in and look at the back of a human's eye and go oh i see that now in real life yeah yeah and um it's fascinating as well because because i am the multitude of disabilities like i've had uh like doctors be like oh so your visual impairment's because of your Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and I'm like no it's a genetic condition passed down from my mum I was born with congenital cataracts blah 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 and they're like oh so it's related to your Ehlers-Danlos syndrome I'm like no not even slightly I just lucked out genetically (laughs) no one else in my family has any EDS symptoms at all just me like it's just me and similarly I was actually in an eye unit like since since my autism diagnosis and I was like and the the person like doing my vision tests and everything was like why are you holding a fidget toy and I was like well I'm autistic and he went no you're not autistic you're just visually impaired oh Jesus and I was like what (laughs) and he's like no it's you shouldn't accept that label and I was like no, no, I can't. No, you are wrong. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, "You don't have autism. If you had autism, you wouldn't be here on your own." And I was like, "Jesus fucking Christ, mate!" And I was like, <laughs> "Like, okay. have you ever heard that this is the definition of digging yourself a hole?" 
Yeah. Just stop. And I, and I was like feeling a bit anxious on that day, hence the fidget toy. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, and I was like, I'm not doing this today. No. I'm not. And I, I and I was like saying to him, look, my autism diagnosis was a really positive thing. Things that I've struggled with my entire life mm-hmm. now make sense, mm. and things that I really struggle to do, I can ask people to help me with now. Because there's a reason. It's not just that Gemma is a failure of a human being. No, I think the it's problem that... in that situation is that that man has a very narrow view of what autism is, or and what the or... person who should be challenging uh, their understanding of an autism diagnosis is not the person with autism, but is, is the dickhead in the lab coat. Yeah, <laughs> and it was really awkward because uh, went and saw the consultant in unnamed our unit mm-hmm. and the consultant was like oh i want to get a scan done she's like oh let me just see if so and so's around he's really good at doing it and i was like it's really difficult to get a scan of my eye and she's like oh yeah yeah like he's a really good he's a really good guy so i was like okay and it was the guy, was it, the was it the guy? it's the same guy oh, man. oh and i was man. like I never wanted to see this guy again in my life. Hi. And now I am. Back again. And this consultant tell him how wonderful he is. And I'm like, he's not wonderful. He's an asshole. Did you tell him that? I would have told him that. No. I would have I would have told no. him that. Sometimes. Yeah. Mm, <laughs> yes. My filter isn't always the best. No. Uh, but yeah, I did hold that one in. Mm. Right, gang. I need to finish. I'm okay. sorry. I could complain about medical professionals and society and intersecting disabilities and intersectionality and all of those Ticking things. all the boxes. We could cover that for hours. I mean, that <laughs> yeah, is basically... Yeah, we'll get you back on. We'll get you back on another episode. To we'll do some more complaining. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, there used to be that thing, um, Disability Bit. Yes. On, uh, on the BBC. We need to bring it back. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, we need to we'll bring back Disability it. Bitch. Like... I actually said this. I went out with my friend and her new guy yeah, the yeah. week. And, like, while we were out, a zillion people asked to stroke our guide dog. And I'm not nice about it. I'm like, we're in the middle of a conversation. No. And you've just interrupted us to ask if you could stroke my friend's guide dog. And so I'm like, so people ask. And I'm just like, no, just ignore her. Thanks. And, like, my friend is like, you are like too assertive and i'm like no i'm just over it yeah i'm just totally over it like i've had two guide dogs before like what is the what why you know why do people think it's okay to interrupt our lunch and our conversation like i foresee some excellent bonus content of the three of us drinking cocktails and yes Gemma complaining we'll do, uh, we'll, we'll do another stream of uh we'll yes. do, you know like we do fabled we'll do all the, the history lessons this is a new mini <laughs> well if if you guys could uh, send in your suggestions of things you'd like to hear Gemma complain about uh, we'll set that up. No, now that makes it sound like me. I'm a really moany person. Alice, didn't we come up with an idea? We came up with an idea, didn't we? Like, you can't say that kind of like yes. myth busting. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. we're having an on air production meeting again. Oh, yeah. All the stuff that like disabled people aren't getting any. Yeah. yeah. We'll do that. That's what we'll do. Yeah. We'll... The only sad thing is, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, Gemma. I've been married for six and a half years. I'm not either. It's just nothing to do with disability. It's just I've got other things I'd rather be doing. 
uh like telling you guys if you've enjoyed this episode you can leave us a review on apple podcasts uh and you can also uh donate to our GoFundMe so that lucy and i can buy some uh ingredients for cocktails yeah um and also continue to fund this fantastic podcast that we love doing that bit first though the the funding oh, the podcast first yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the the cocktails bit is unfortunately um we have to pay for that ourselves yeah cause... yeah sadly um yeah yeah can't put cocktails on expenses no if only no, we could afford expenses to be honest I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> the thing is Gemma, i've got this real bitch of a boss she wouldn't let me put anything through expenses like that <laughs> Uh, I don't think I've got anything else to say. No. So uh, we'll all see you next time. Bye. Bye. Shh. Don't wake Dora. Thanks for listening to The Label Podcast. If you like the show, you can rate, review and subscribe. And you can follow us on social media at Labeled Pod. This episode was edited by Adam Hall. Our music was by Maisie Crunden. And we'd like to thank the rest of the team involved.